Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to A Slob Comes Clean, the podcast. I'm Dana White. I blog almost every day as Noni, which is short for anonymous, over at aslobcomesclean.com. That's where I share my personal deslobification process. As I figure out ways to keep my own home under control, I share the truth about cleaning and organizing strategies that actually work in real life for real people, people who don't necessarily love cleaning and organizing. This is podcast number 89, which means that as of right now, I have recorded more podcasts than my father-in-law has had birthdays. (laughs) <laughs> Which absolutely makes no sense or anything, but like that's how my brain works, just so we know. Okay, um, I am so excited. I have another guest today, and I'm really hoping that my audio problems from the last time I had a guest, which was the first time I'd ever had a guest, have been improved. I tested my microphone like 65 or two times today. So hopefully it's actually not going to sound like the last one did, even though that was great content. I do apologize for that. So But before we get started, I want to let you know that I have a new link to share with you. Um, I get emails from a lot of you, and I can't even express to you how much I appreciate it when you say, hey, show me your Amazon link so I can use it. And I appreciate that so much. But I have been listening to podcasts that suddenly are sharing a link that I'm like, oh my goodness, I want to do that too. So I had my tech guy do it. So you can go to aslobcomesclean.com slash Amazon. And it will take you straight to Amazon through my affiliate link, which means that's all you have to do. And you will go straight to Amazon and anything you buy while you're there, I'll get a little teeny tiny bit. It does not affect the price for you, but it's very, very helpful for me. Okay. Um, I will give you more announcements at the end of the show, including the date for our patron only hangout for March. Okay. So let's get going. Mary Carver is a friend of mine and she looks super pretty right now. We're doing this on Blab, um, but y'all can't see her because it's a podcast. And we actually did not invite anyone to come join this Blab because that makes me nervous because I'm not quite the um, podcast interviewer yet, but I'm trying to get there. Okay. So Mary's here. Mary has a blog called givinguponperfect.com. Let's all just take a moment and think about that title and how awesome it is givinguponperfect.com, which I think that being her blog title is the reason that she and I get along really well. Um, Mary actually has edited several of my eBooks and we specifically got a, um, an email from someone one time that said, thank you so much. And thank you to your editor because your editor is awesome. And I said, I know that, um, because she's really great. And it is kind of a passion of mine to make sure I don't have grammar mistakes, but you know what, now that I've said that I'll probably have one of my real books. So, um, Mary is here. She has co-authored a book that was released in January. Is that right, Mary? That is right, January 5th. Okay, January 5th. So it has been out. I have read it. I love this book. I love Mary, and we're going to talk about this book. Um, But before I do, let me just give you a little background on her, okay? So a couple summers ago, I I think it was the first summer that I had decided I was going to take off from blogging just to totally focus on my family while they're out of school and everything. And um, anyway, so I had some blogging friends just – put together a little, hey, give me your housekeeping links and I'll put those in a post or whatever. Well, whenever Mary's comes up, like I'll put it back out on Facebook or whatever, but people love it. Like if you have been, if you're one of my people that's read the blog from beginning to end, you know Mary, I've mentioned her many times. But anyway, the last time that I put out on Facebook, somebody said, you should have her as a podcast guest. So it is official that you are the number one requested podcast guest for the podcast that is because i mean i the honor it is you are the number you i mean by 100 percent, you have completely outnumbered everyone else i don't know math so i don't know if that actually is true but um anyway that you are the number one request because you're the only one but 
that I just thought it was really it was really cool because I hadn't had any guests at that point. I was like, you know what, Mary is somebody I would totally like to have on my podcast. So, okay, um, we're gonna get into some things about you and talk about the book. But here's my little fitting that I want to do when I have podcast guests. And I gave hey, you a warning about this about your um, what's making your life easier. Do you have something that you can share with us? Oh, see, you know, I even went back and looked at our emails because I thought to myself, <laughs> I think they okay, I'll share mine for me. Yes, okay. I'll share mine and maybe that will draw, you know, whatever, jog your memory. Okay, so mine is squeezable sour cream. Daisy now has a squeezable sour cream package. Okay. And I pretty much love anything squeezable because it's one spoon I don't have dirty. And that nice just, it, it makes, it makes me like ridiculously happy in a way that shouldn't be quite that impactful in my life, but like, I love it. So, um, you know, I, I love squeezable garlic. Have you ever gotten squeezable pre-chopped garlic? No. no. It's so great as, as opposed to, you know, I don't buy pre-chopped garlic, like, um, yeah, I do. but yeah, they have it in the little glass jars. Well, they also have a squeezable one. And so I just go into the pan. Of course, I don't measure garlic ever. So oh, there you go. No. Wow. I know. That is what you get on this podcast. Quality. <laughs> okay. Now, have you thought of something? Yes. <laughs> you know, right? Yes. Yes. Actually, I did think of two things. So I'll, okay, I'll, I'll be fast. So the first thing is a product. And it, um, it's Tide Pods, the laundry detergent pods. Uh, oh, yes. I'm in love with the dishwasher. I'm in love with all kinds of pods. Yes. <laughs> Go ahead. Yes. So I actually, I would never, uh, because I am not a, I buy like store brand as much as I can. And so I would never have bought these. But I want this huge this. I, I want this huge package of cleaning supplies from a friend's book. Um, anyway, Mary wrote this book and she, her process was, 
what, maybe like six months ahead of my process for my book writing or something. So a lot of the stuff that you were going through, I'd look at you and go, oh my goodness, <laughs> like that's what I have. You know, so we, we have a lot um, of things in common at this point. But here's, here's my quote, okay? And I saw this on Facebook and I actually went to find the quote and I had to find it like in its original source. Not because I'm like that, but that's where I found it. Anyway, it's J.K. Rowling. Are you a Harry Potter fan? Okay, good. Um, so it's J.K. Rowling, which it's Rowling, not Rowling, because I watched a movie and found that out because I've been mispronouncing it forever. But you did, did you know it was yeah. Rowling? I yeah. No, it, my son and I watched a, a thing of her life or whatever, and okay. um, we were both like, oh, it's Rowling, not Rowling. Oh, okay. Wow. Um, I think. Now I'm questioning myself. But anyway, so here's her quote. And this was, um, it, it was fun to go back and find the source because it actually came from like an interview that she did where they went back to the home where she was living when she wrote the first book. Um, and so she was like remembering this. Okay, here's the quote. People often say to me, how did you do it? How did you raise a baby and write a book? And the answer is, I didn't do housework for four years. I'm not superwoman and living in squalor. That was the answer. And I, I just love saw that. this. Yes. I, is I that, that the best? It is. I don't know if I have that pinned or I, oh, maybe I saw it on Facebook. Did you post it on Facebook? I did post it on Facebook. Yeah, but I couldn't find it. So I went and found the original, which was neat to kind of see where, she, where it was yeah. that she said that she was remembering. And she talked a lot about how, how hard it was in those years and living in the situation that she was living in. And, but I love it because it's such an example of that creative brain and you really can't do it all. And sometimes people think, wow, you do such big things. It's like, well, it's because I'm letting little things or what ultimately is a big thing go, you know, and it's yeah. just that realization. I can't do everything. And sometimes to get the big stuff done, this is just what's going to happen. And I just, I loved that, but I already yeah. thought that she was a kindred spirit because of the way she described the Weasley's house, because, you know, like it was, they were fun and they were sweet and they were loving. And I mean, he felt so at home there, but it was messy. I mean, there was always talk about like messy, you know, outside the door, there's like piles of, you know, cauldrons or whatever. I mean, just like, anyway, it just... <laughs> I oh I told my husband even I was like I think she's a kindred spirit I really do <laughs> anyway that is perfect yeah. I love that yeah to me that's just the best quote ever so anyway um what tell me the short version of Mary's story like tell me your who you are and how you got to where you are the short version uh -huh. <laughs> oh yeah I'm gonna cut you that's off dangerous. if you go too that's long <laughs> I'm just kidding yeah got <laughs> <Get> the hook. <laughs> Um, okay, well, as far as a bio goes, I am a wife and mom and a blogger and a speaker. Um, and I also work part-time for a website with, uh, uh, what's a fancy term for it? I would say I, I, I'm a curation manager. Okay. I mean, that's not my title. It's like editorial assistant, blogging, and blogging, uh, but that's okay. Anyway, um, so how did I get here? Yeah, just tell me, like, your growing up story. Okay. Yeah. Okay, sure. Okay, well, I grew up in a small town. I went outside of Kansas City, and Kansas City is where I live now. Uh, and of interest to poor people might be that my house growing up was always clean, always neat, always tidy, everything in the place. And it was in its place, or we were in trouble. Um, I was not allowed to have a kid room. Um, that was an option. I always went to block and left chores because my parents worked multiple jobs. And on top of that, they both went back to school while my brother and I were in school. Um, and so it was all hands on deck. And sometimes it felt like my candy was always on deck. Um, yeah. Doing chores, keeping the house clean, all the things that people are supposed to do. And so, and like my family, if we went somewhere um, that was not like that, it was like we would make fun of it. It's like, oh, they're just going to messy. Right. Um, I mean, people, like, that's just not how you're supposed to do 
fast forward, I got married. Um, I worked in public relations for quite a while um, for various jobs. And then after having my daughter, long story short, uh, ended up staying home with her when she turned three. And as I had suspected all along, I was not a good stay because <laughs> I still did not like to clean or to clean up after cooking or to fold and put away laundry or all the things. Um, but I no longer had an excuse, quote unquote. You know what I mean? Right. No, I know what you mean. Because I was in the house. Like, I was there. Um, so I should have done better. I don't. Um, I have a lot of conflicting life views, I guess, because I do have the giving up on everything. But that's because I'm a perfectionist. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so I like I know how to keep up, but I don't like it. And as a kid, I was forced to help do that. And so as an adult, I'm like, I'm gonna rebel. And some people do that by like partying. I do that by being messy. Yeah. And eating junk food and spending my money on things I shouldn't. It's very healthy. <laughs> I mean, I, I realize it could be. But fun. it is what it is. <laughs> it yeah. is what it is. Um, so I have been kind of a journey, I guess, find back into like, the things that need to be done because I'm a grown up. Yeah. Um, and letting go of perfect, but not being slob. But also that there's like throw my husband in the mix of managing his expectations and mine. And then we have these kids that I should be setting a good example for and teaching them. And it's just one big I get it. Mess. Yeah. It's a mess. Yeah. <laughs> but you're good. So though. a lot of times my house is a But you're also you're also a writer. Which um, is a creative type personality, which is often very related to all of this because we're like, hey, why deal with the piddly day to day? I have better things to do than that, for sure. Right. Right. So, so yeah. Right. Okay, tell me what a day in your life looks like. And I know not all days are the same, but just give me like a day in your life. Okay. A day in the life is I get up later than I want to because I'm a night owl and I stayed up too late. So I roll out of bed, fall on the floor, you know, like, okay, so I'm out of bed. Uh, I get my girls ready to go. I throw granola bars at their faces and maybe, like, a go-gurt <laughs> because none of us are really horny people. So we kind of wake up in, in front of cartoons and granola bars, and we get ready. I drop them off. I take my other daughter to school. She's in second grade. And I take my younger daughter some days to the babysitter. And then I come home and I sit in front of the computer and I do my part-time job, blogging or book writing stuff, social media stuff, or looking up appropriate, uh, do you say GIF or GIF? Oh my goodness. I don't, yes. I purposely don't say it. Right. Right. That's the thing. Right. Yeah. I look up appropriate movie pictures. It's those GIF. It's like a it's like a picture, uh -huh. but it's several uh -huh. pictures together, kind of repeating over and over. Right. Okay. Yeah. Right. Right. I need to look look those up so that I can be funny in conversations <laughs> on Facebook or other. Um, like you know, and then I need to read about my favorite TV shows. And oh yeah, then I get back to work. So I do that you know during the day, um, and then I go pick up the girls, which is takes an hour as far as like driving to get one and then sitting in the carpool line. And then we come home and chaos ensues because the girls are and they're bringing all their stuff inside the house, getting the mail, and has a work night. So then he's getting up for the day, but he's also getting ready to go to work. Then I'm supposed to make dinner. Um, and so eventually somehow we eat dinner and then he runs out the door, and then I put the girls to bed, put the dishes. And I think to myself, remember that time you told Dana you were going to really load the dishwasher every night? <laughs> remember that time I wrote a guest post that she just shared uh -huh. on Facebook this uh -huh. week? Uh -huh. Yeah. At that 
time, it was true. And I guess it's occasionally true. It's like still true like, that it works. It's still true that it works. Yes. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Go ahead. Um, so then I crash on the couch and turn on the TV and watch TV while I do my little computer until I go to bed way too late because I stay up reading. Yeah. I, I feel like, and, and as I go to bed, I think tomorrow. Tomorrow is the day. Tomorrow is the day I'm going to get up early to work out, and we're not going to eat any fast food, and I'm going to get caught up in the laundry. Tomorrow's the day. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Projects. So many projects. Taking care of all the things gets overwhelming. So when I get that feeling of overwhelm, I know I need to take steps to make my mental well-being a priority. Having someone to talk to, like a BetterHelp therapist, can really help. This time of year is always busy, but with my youngest child graduating from high school, we have lots of extra projects that need my attention. I know from experience that these are the times when it feels extra helpful and essential to talk through my emotions with my therapist. BetterHelp makes it easy to connect with a licensed therapist. The online platform simplifies the process. It's accessible and affordable. After answering a short questionnaire, you can choose whether you prefer to meet via phone call, video, or live chat, and you can plan your sessions at your convenience to suit your schedule. Find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash clean today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash clean. Y'all know I am all about identifying what things you can do to make overwhelming tasks possible. Buying a home or selling a home can be completely overwhelming. Finding just the right realtor can make the whole process so much easier. That's why I want to tell you about Redfin. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes and sends you personalized recommendations. So finding the home that's perfect for you has never been easier. See something you like? Book a tour straight from the app. And when you're ready to buy an experienced local Redfin agent can guide you through the whole process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents know how to get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards your next home. I know firsthand what a difference having the right real estate agent can make. We would have been lost without ours when we bought our current home and sold our old home a couple of years ago. Download the Redfin app to get started. You know what you need? You need a book called How to Manage Your Home Without Losing Your Mind because, yeah, that'll be out November 8th, just so you know. Excellent. <laughs> you, know, yeah. you know I will be reading it. Oh, I, know. I can't. Wait. Okay. So, um, all right. So we're going to talk specifically about the book. The book is called yes. Choose Joy, and you are a co-author with Sarah Frankel. And so the little bit of this story, and I'm going to tell it, and then I'm going to let you give some more information. Um, Sarah was a blogger who you were very close friends with in, you know, blogging communities. And this was back in the day, kind of before I started, where blogging was almost a version of Facebook in a way, wasn't it? Like you kept up with people's lives. And yeah, so it was a little more, um, it, was, it was a different time, but you guys were um, very close friends. And I went to her blog occasionally, I think through you after I met you. Um, but Sarah was, um, she had a terminal disease that was um, very, very painful. Like pain was the main issue that she, I mean, everything else too, but that was her constant struggle was the pain that she was in. Um, and she passed away. Was it in 2011? 11. Okay. She passed away. And, um, but in her blog, she had written about her decision to choose joy in the midst of her chronic pain that she dealt with. And you 
and her were friends. And so tell us how this has come about for you to co-author this book that has been published now after she passed away. Was it four years before or five years before? Well, it was kind of like two and a half years before we started. Okay. So tell us how that came about. Well, what happened is that I had been talking to an agent about writing a book. And um, he asked me for a proposed agent. And uh, it still needed some work, but I was actually nine months pregnant. So she said, you go have your baby. Books will be here. Um, you know, just take the time you need. She was very kind. Um, even though I felt like, oh, I can't stop now, but then had a baby, so. You had to stop. Yes. I had to stop, uh, and that was a good thing. Um, but then a few months later, she emailed me and said, hey, I have this idea. I know you have a baby, but call me if you're fine. Well, of course, I dropped my baby on the couch and went right away. Not um, literally. Okay. Not literally. <laughs> um, I put my baby down gently. Yes, of course. Um, anyways, so come to find out that this agent had also been speaking, contacted by Sarah's sister, Laura. Um, after Sarah died, a lot of people said to her family, um, you know, you should turn this into a book. I wish this was a book. I wish I could keep this blog with me because it was so encouraging and so inspiring. And so Laura spent a lot of time going through Sarah's blog, and she, um, like you, she wrote every day, almost every day. And so um, her sister went through her blog and pulled up the best work, and it was, when printed out, it was a huge stack of paper because there was a lot of good work. And so she sent it to the same agent that I was talking to and said, here's what, here's our story, here's what we would like to do, and, um, but they needed a writer to make it happen. And so, because Sarah was the only actual writer in the band. And so, Ruth, my agent, thought of me and called me and said, do you want to do this? So, Ruth asked me if I'd be interested in this project, and I immediately started crying, because of course I wanted to do it. Um, she didn't even know when she called me that Sarah and I had been friends. That's she awesome. Knew that I mean, it's just such a, a God thing, the way that, you know, he connected all the dots. Um, and so I took what her sister had put together, and it was literally this giant stack of paper, tiny, tiny type, um, and it was all these blog posts. And then I, I, I went through them, and then I went through a blog, and I went through emails, and I had exchanged with her and other things. And presto changeo. Awesome. <laughs> Turned it into a book. <laughs> um, the presto changeo was actually a really complicated but fun editing and curating project for me. Just, it really was like a puzzle trying to figure out which pieces needed to go where, what post had the same theme, uh, and then kind of writing around it. Very cool. It all and you did a really good job. You really and did. So, yeah. Yes. So let's talk a little bit about, let me share why I feel like this book is a very appropriate one to talk about with my people, because um, my people, okay. you know, I get emails about people's different stories, but one of the recurring things that I hear all the time is um, I hear from people who suffer from chronic pain, and that is such a challenge in keeping your home under control. It just... It's a, it's a huge challenge, and and a lot of it comes with um, or from the frustration with a lot of these people weren't like me and that they didn't grow up messy. You know, I was messy from the time I came out of the womb, basically, you know. So, but a lot of people who at one time did put a lot of time and energy and focus into their homes and took pride in keeping it perfect um, or even just really nice um, – once they go through something that causes chronic pain and they suffer from that for a long time, then they're not able to live up to 
the standard that they once had. And that's a really difficult time. So a lot of the things that Sarah talks about and that you cover in the book um, have to do with that. Um, you know, the book is specifically called Choose Joy because that was her, would you say that was her mantra or her kind of her life philosophy in general? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's a tough thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm it's a tough thing when you have something that, you know, I think a lot of times we can look at different people's situations and maybe not be as sympathetic, you know, as we should be, because usually when you get to know somebody, you realize their situation really is very difficult. Um, but chronic pain, I think is something that scares everyone. I mean, the thought of constantly being in pain is, is really hard. So, I mean, it's kind of one of those inarguable trials that she went through. I mean, you, you can't minimize that. Um, so tell us a little about, about what exactly her um, diagnosis was. Sure. Sarah had an autoimmune disease. And so um, it's, and, and her form of disease is very extreme. Some people have it and don't suffer the, the same, all the same symptoms or to such an extent. Um, it's, it's when your bones, specifically your spine, fuse together. And for Sarah, And her body um, was a real overachiever in that area. So she developed other symptoms and diseases on top of that. So she had developed Crohn's disease. She developed allergies to everything, foods that she loved, even the outside air to the point that she could not be wow. with its special air filtration system. And she would, you know, she couldn't be around people who just had the sniffles because for her that would be pneumonia and um, she couldn't eat a lot of food and so yeah her body just attacked itself and and so the result was not only a lot of inconvenience and a lot of limitation but extreme pain yeah and I just I mean I can't right. imagine I try to imagine, you know, as, you know, being part of our book together and working with her story, but you know, the reality is, I can't well, and you know, honestly, one thing that you know, I'm, I'm just thinking of as you're talking is, she mentions those things, but that's not what she dwells on. You know, she talks about these things that make you, know, you go, "Wow, this is significant. Yeah. This is extreme. This is not just, oh, my foot hurts when it's about to rain." But I mean, this is like. I mean, this is extreme stuff, but that's not, it, it's just kind of, she puts that in there so you'll understand, but it's not, she doesn't go on and on about that at all. Um, right. No, no, no. And honestly, I started reading the blog, I didn't realize she was Really? I just, hey, this girl's really funny, and we kind of like this, you know, the same things, and we seem to have similar personalities, and I want to get to know her, and then I realized, whoa, yes, so I, you know, I thought we are really going to be friends. And that was before I had any idea that she was sick. I had no idea. It's like, um, and then realized she had so much going on on the other side of her screen that I was clueless about. Uh, because that really wasn't what she focused on. I wasn't, you know, she would talk about being sick just to give people context from her life and from her message. But, yeah, like you said, she didn't dwell on it. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things as I read it, you know, there were just, I have three different passages that I want to talk about, but, um, specifically because of that perspective that she had so many of her insights apply to all different kinds of situations. You know, I mean, yeah. yes, she had intensely difficult things that brought about her thought processes and her insights, but those insights can be beneficial to people in all kinds of situations. Um, okay. So Absolutely. let me go through a couple of the things that struck me. One of them where I was like, Oh yeah, this is a great thing to talk about in the podcast. Um, was, and you talked about your own experience as well with, um, for her, it was, there was a, a was it a tornado that had happened somewhere and she decided to get rid of her clothes uh, or to donate her clothing. And in it, she talks about um, how difficult that was. And the, this moment of decluttering, basically, was her accepting that her life was really 
she was really never going to need these clothes again. You know, so one of the, um, one of the quotes that I had, um, she said, they haven't been of any use to me for such a long time, but I couldn't seem to get rid of them without a reason. I mean, what if after 10 years of getting worse, I wake up tomorrow able to stay at a wedding again? You know, and I just think I totally get that because I have these same types of thoughts, but hers were, I mean, that's, that's, that's a grieving process that she had to go through. And I, it sounds like a lot of the things that like doing that decluttering process was actually a part of the grieving process for her of that transitioning into acceptance of, okay, you know, not that all hope was gone. I'm sure there was never a point where all hope was gone, but of really realizing this is the way it is. I really, truly am most likely not going to need these things ever again. Um, and just that, that grieving process for you, you talk, tell us a little bit about when you decided to stay home with your kids and you had a, a life change because I think that's something I definitely, I still have a few things that I think, really, why do I still have this? Um, things I wore to weddings and such, you know, I've gotten rid of most of them now after 14 years, but um, I still have a few that you just think, well, maybe I do need that still. Anyway, tell us about your process like that. Well, like I shared in the book, when I uh, left my job to stay home with my daughter, I had a closet full of work clothes. And after a while, I realized um, that I did not need them anymore. And it was I had quite the variety of work clothes because I had to be many different sizes. And so, um, for me, and it, you know, when you describe it as part of the grieving process, I think that's so accurate because I know for me, I was grieving the loss, whether temporary or permanent, but the loss of career. Um, even though it was, I mean, it was my choice to stay home for but it was hard for you. I, I remember when you went through that. It was not It was not a yippee, I get to stay home. It really was a hard decision that you made. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, it really was. And so, you know, that was a loss. And then also, um, the different sizes. Um, I mean, I've always struggled with weight. And so I've, I've bought clothes in all different sizes over my adulthood. And so both of those things led me to similar similar situation as Sarah described where I had to come to terms with this is who I am today and this is my life today. And so I need the tools and resources for today for the reality and not others. I may never need that anymore. And so it's okay to say goodbye. And sure, you know, it's there's grief there, there's sadness and loss, but then turning and looking at, okay, so what does today really look like? Who am I and what am I facing? And then for her, you know, for me too, it's finding the joy in the reality of today, not the possibility. Because I think when we think about maybe, maybe I'll need that or maybe I'll lose 20 pounds by tomorrow, you know? Yep. No. You know, if I just drink water for ten years, you know, it's not more water weight. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, she talked a lot about accepting, um, accepting the reality and not being obsessed with a fantasy or a possibility. And like you said, not that she didn't have hope, she always had hope, but she was also realistic and, you know, in facing what was really going on. I think that's one of the things that struck me so much was as someone who tends to live happily in denial about so many things, um, she did not. She really did live in reality. And I think a lot of that was her processing through things through writing on her blog. I mean, that was the impression that I got was that that's how she worked through a lot of these different things. So something else that, um, that Sarah talks about um, is kind of training herself to view things differently. Um, one of the things we're having a little bit or a lot of technical difficulties, but we're hoping that we're getting it figured out so that it won't be quite as much in the actual podcast. Um, but one of the things that she talked about was kind of training her brain to change her thinking processes, her patterns, which I know, um, 
I used to talk about on the blog a lot about I'm going to retrain my brain, which ultimately I think now I, I kind of don't really talk about that as much because now I look at it as I know what the routines are. These routines are never going to come naturally to me. It's just a matter of me going back to the routines over and over and over. But I did really find it interesting what she was doing. She had a dog that she was very, very close to, which I'm telling you, I love my puppy so much that I am, I have become this huge fan of people living alone, making sure they have a dog or something. Cause I mean, really she's such company to me during the day when I'm home by myself. And like, I, you know, I haven't ever had an inside dog before. And so I get it now in a way that I didn't used to, but anyway, so she loved her dog and some training that she had done with him and, you know, ways that she kind of, you know, thought that through and helped herself anyway. Um, so in this, she was talking though, and I, I thought this was all going to make sense, and now I'm looking at the quote, and I'm not sure it actually goes with the dog thing I was just saying, but anyway. Okay, so here's the quote that I thought was really interesting. It was someone called Charles Caleb Colton said, It is good to act as if. It is even better to grow to the point where it is no longer an act. Okay, she goes on. This is how she feels the process has been for her. Acting as if she agreed with how God wanted me to act, even the even when she didn't really agree with it. So like going ahead and just doing what you're supposed to do. And then a quote she has later on that again, I'm not sure where the dog thing came in. Um, yeah. Okay. She talks about, Oh, she talks about kind of, you know, a way that you redirect a dog, like through the dog whisperer or something, I guess was somebody she studied. And I have heard of that guy before. Um, but you know, it was kind of this little sh sound that she would make to kind of redirect when the dog was focused on the wrong thing. And so she started kind of doing that with herself, just, you know, she's focusing on the wrong thing. So she just kind of made this little whatever to stop herself and just redirect how she was thinking. And it got easier for her to think differently over time of just doing that, making herself redirect her thinking. It made it easier to think differently anyway. So, what she said was, I guess if there is one major lesson buried in that experience, it's this. It takes just as much effort, if not more, to resist the inevitable as it does to go through the inevitable. And I was like, oh, that's good stuff right there. Because that yeah. that's like big major life stuff, but that's also doing the dishes. Right. You know, I mean, it is. You know, yeah. to resist something that you're going to have to do, it's so much, it's more energy and more effort to resist it than it is to actually go ahead and do it. Not to mention the effort that's going to be required one day when you have to do it because it's inevitable anyway. So I really, um, I think that seizing the day, just kind of going with that, tell us a little bit about, um, just her overall perspective of just going with what she's the day that she's got that day. I'm trying to remember if, um, you know, because some of the, some of the things that I put in the book, I took them, not to say I took them out of context, but I didn't necessarily include all of the chronological context for right. readers if it didn't, if it wasn't necessary. I think she may have written about that around the same time that she was realizing that she had to go up a, a major decrease of her steroids. So she yes, was that on, was the part. Okay, so she was on the steroids generally, but the steroids caused machines to be. Um, which what is Cushing's disease? You would ask that. I know for never mind. <laughs> I know it caused. It, I bet she, it gave her crazy, crazy weight gain, like uh, yes. in a very short amount of time. So like painful weight gain. Um, yes, I think yes. there were other things along with it. Um, but anyway, so the medicine to help one situation made another situation so bad that she had to go up to the medicine. But she knew that that would cause unbearable pain for an extended amount of time. And so she talked a lot about how just the tension between being scared of what's coming or not wanting to do what she had to do and knowing she had to do it anyway um, and trusting that God will carry her through that and so I think that's where she talked about this um, but like you said earlier even though that's a very serious heavy situation it does apply to doing the dishes 
or everything in between. I mean, I think about, um, this isn't what you asked me, but it's what I'm going to tell you. I think about, get right ahead. Um, what my husband and I just did at our house. So we are putting our house on the market and that required some decluttering and major, major decluttering in our garage. And so, you know, we talk about the same energy to avoid the inevitable, to go through the inevitable. We have been just coping with this jam-packed, messy garage for months. You know, just working, working around it and breaking up to and it wasn't fun to clean it up. It did take a lot of work. We're both still exhausted two days later. But it really didn't take any, any more energy or time than what we used up um, putting it off. But you, you, it took a lot of effort to put it off. Exactly. exactly. Just that feeling of dread yes. is actually very emotionally and even physically dreading and um, draining sometimes yes. dreading. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, that is, I, I think that's that tenseness, you know, sometimes after you finish something and you just feel that whole body like, Oh, that's done. I didn't even realize how tense I was right. about this thing that I was dreading dealing with. And if I would have just dealt with it, I could have been this relaxed sooner. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And now I just want to walk into my garage just to look at it. I know, right? Yeah, just to walk on the floor that's now clear. (laughs) Yeah, you could tap dance or something out there. In theory, in theory, I totally could. Yeah, I've got several pairs of tap shoes if you need to borrow some. So, anyway. Um, Okay, so I'm, we are at an hour-ish. I'm not sure with all the pauses we've had to make. But, um... I wanted to ask you one last question, and this is about you, but, um, and you kind of went into this, but tell me about the, okay, because in the time that I've known you, when I met you, you worked full-time outside the home with a toddler at home, um, and then you worked, then you were a stay-at-home mom, and then you were a, you say you're part-time working at home, but I think when you write a book, at least for that period of time, you're most definitely full-time. So, um, so but now you're a work-at-home mom. So you've been the mother with a job outside the home, a stay-at-home mom, and work full-time inside the home. So tell me the, tell me the unique housekeeping struggles of those different phases and either what surprised you about what was different or what surprised you about what was still the same even across all of those. Sure, that's a great question. It's funny. Thank you. I'm so excited that I made a great question. <laughs> well, it really is. Because I think we always think, regardless of the topic, we always think, if only I had this like this situation, I would be so much better at whatever we want to be better at. Yes. You know, only my kids were older. If only my husband helped more. If only I could to work so many hours. But the truth is. Um, you know, I'm the same person I was no matter where I worked. And I don't like to clean. <laughs> That's the person I am. Um, and so I know, I, I remember having a conversation with friends before I quit my job. And I said, no, you guys, if I didn't have to be out of this house nine, ten hours a day, it would be so much cleaner because I would be here. I would have the opportunity to do this thing that I really wanted to
and then one of my kiddos is at the babysitter while I work at home. So my kids aren't there cleaning it up. So if, in theory, again, I had systems in place like Dana talks about where the dishwasher is going at night and the laundry is going during the day, then things should run a little more smoothly in theory. That's what I think about in theory. these various uh, work home arrangements. <laughs> yeah. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Basically, it ultimately comes down to, yes, it does. I mean, theories don't work. The only thing that works is doing the dishes, and that totally stinks. I mean, if I if it could be ideas that would clean my house, I would have the cleanest house in the entire world because I love ideas. And yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I have so enjoyed. I'm sorry we've had some technical difficulties. I'm hoping it comes out okay. Um, but thank you so much for joining me today, Mary. I am just incredibly thankful that you are here and. Um, Tell us where we can find you on social media. Okay, well, thank you so much for inviting me. My (laughs) blog is at givingupperfect.com. And on Twitter and Instagram and Pinterest, I am at Mary Carver. That's M-A-R-Y-T-A-R-V-E-R. And if you want to learn more about the book that I wrote with Sarah, it's at thechoosejoybook.com. And it's available wherever books are sold. Yeah, I mean, it, I've seen it. Yeah. I've seen people post in Barnes and & Noble and everything. So it's everywhere. So thank you so much. Um, for those of you who are still thank here, thank you. Um, I just wanted to remind you about that Amazon link, aslobcomesclean.com slash Amazon, which will take you straight to Amazon through my affiliate link. So you don't have to worry about finding that. And I appreciate those who do worry about it. Um, but I also want to let you know that um, – those of you who are patrons, our patron-only hangout will be next Monday. The I'm looking on my calendar right now. The uh, 28th at 7 p.m. Central. That's our evening one because we're switching off mornings and evenings. So I will send out an invitation to do that coming up very soon. Thank you so much, and I will talk to you guys later. Bye.